0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 83, my interview with Eric Hopkins from the Utah Symphony. I don't have really anything new to say. I feel like a broken record about this. And, you know, I wish I wish there was I wish there was more. Um, it's officially winter here now. The ground is frozen. So Andrew and I are no longer, uh, you know, doing epic backyard projects every single weekend and you know pickaxing and digging and doing all kinds of activities that uh feel really foreign to me because I'm normally um playing gigs all summer um but it's been really enjoyable to build you know really to work with our our hands and our bodies um outside over the summer I've, I've really kind of grown to enjoy it and now and now that that's over I feel like I once again am having to kind of think like what do we do? (laughs) What do we do? Um, and I know that's probably how most of you have been feeling this whole time, but I've been trying to put some creative energy toward, you know, solving this problem of what will we do during lockdown in the winter? And, um, now that we can't kind of just escape into the outdoors, um, and, and also what can we do to kind of make, make the holiday season feel like not a complete bummer? Um, without, you know, being able to be in big groups and, and see, you know, our family all at once and, and stuff like that. And I haven't, I haven't had any grand ideas yet, but, um, you know, I'll let you know if I think of anything. Um, so because there is nothing, you know, new to report upon or share, um, I will just proceed to tell you a little bit more about my guest. Eric Hopkins plays the dual role of percussionist and associate principal timpanist in the Utah Symphony. His passion lies in both roles equally. For Eric, percussion is about negotiating the wide array of acoustic possibility, overcoming and embracing the challenges of each unique instrument on timpani, the large copper kettle drums, Eric strives to maximize the sound color palette to vivify the emotional content of the music. Um, and in this interview, Eric and I talk a lot about how he kind of maybe took like a somewhat, uh, unconventional path toward becoming a professional musician. And just in the sense of, um, his relationship with, with music as a young person, um, and we also talked a lot about how he um, applies creativity outside of music, is in his adult life, and you know that's that's the stuff that I that I will get what, get on one about forevermore. So um, if you could use a little a little pep talk about how to kind of apply creativity um, in your in your like non typically creative efforts, this is a great episode for you. So um, yeah, without further ado, here comes Eric. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Bite Toothpaste Bits. Bite is the only plastic-free and totally environmentally friendly way to replace the paste you've used your whole life. When it's time to brush your teeth, you just wet your toothbrush, pop the little bit in your mouth, and brush. It foams right up like magic. And don't worry, all of the packaging is recycled, compostable, and delivered with a low carbon footprint. I love my activated charcoal bits and thought this would be the perfect stocking stuffer for all of my listeners, so I reached out to Bite and got us a holiday deal. Head to ByteToothpasteBits.com and use promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps, artifice I C E one zero for 10% off all orders of $30 or more. Make the switch to plastic-free toothpaste today. Okay, so let's start. Um, where are you from?
1: So I am essentially from Florida. Okay. I'm a Florida man. Okay, cool. Um, but I was born in Plymouth. Where is that? Uh, in Mass, Massachusetts. Okay,
0: like Plymouth Rock where... Exactly. ...the people came from. Exactly. Europe.
1: So, um, yeah, so one of my brothers and his family all speaks with this pretty thick Boston accent. Cool. My, my mom has a Boston accent. I do not. I moved to Florida when, when I was seven. So okay. mostly a Florida person.
0: So I like to... St- I like to- spend kind of a fair amount of time on like the first 18 years of all my guests' lives because I think Uh, it's where like the most interesting like creative development sometimes happens. So let's start by talking about like what you were like as a creative child, like maybe before you were like 10, like what kind of stuff were you getting into?
1: So I think the interesting thing about my pre-10 year old days was that I was kind of a little problem child. Yeah. Um there wasn't any music in my family and I I started racing BMX when I was like 8. How and did
0: you get into that?
1: I my older brother was doing it, so okay. I, I was following him. Okay. You know, looking up to him and doing that. And um I was super competitive about racing and if I didn't win, I would totally have a conniption fit
0: throw like a huge fit
1: i would i would do something called ghost riding your bike which is to as you're riding your bike jump off of it and just let it go and i would just like let it go into the bleachers or into a fence i was i was just a real bad kid that's
0: fully reckless
1: it was (laughs)
0: it's very dangerous
1: and I went from BMX to competitive skateboarding. Okay. So I would just skateboard and all the time. You were still like, like a, like a yeah, kid. Yeah, th- this, this a little is kid. like ten years old. Okay. Um, but then, but I took it super seriously, and that's just like what I did. Yeah. After school, I would just skate.
0: So, in retrospect, do you feel like the, like I don't know, like the character traits that like led to these like problematic child behaviors were just like determination, competitiveness, like, or do you feel like it was like something that you're like, I'm not like that anymore?
1: No, I think you're right. I think I, I had a turning point when I did learn how to turn that fire into like control that fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Um, I wonder
0: a lot about that kind of thing. Cause like, you know, a lot of the things that we do as adult creatives are like, ridiculous you know like they're very risky things that we do sometimes they're sometimes like very off the beaten path kinds of things and as a like I think those same kinds of traits like manifest in children can either be like I'm not social and I'm like very in my own like little dream world or like I have all this energy that has no productive outlet
1: right right and yeah, I think I was finding that energy and it was kind of an anti-social way. You know, I was doing uh, individual type extreme sports, yeah. you know, not team sports. Um, so and I do think that eventually relates to music. Yeah. You know, it's kind 100%. of a hundred percent as much as I, you know, I play in an orchestra and there's 85 of us, but it, but your training and, you know, all that preparation is really just. Individual, very solitary. Yeah, yeah, it's very solitary. You know, I think in college the 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 norm was practicing four hours a day. Yeah, and in my master's more like seven hours a yeah. day or something like that. I
0: think people really can't wrap their minds around that. Yeah, but it's true.
1: And you are really just in a box alone yeah. for that time. And yeah, so you have to be okay with that.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> So when you were little, like, in addition to these, like, individual extreme sports, were you doing anything, like, was anything else creative, like, in terms of, you know, maybe how you were consuming media? Like, were you listening to music yeah. maybe in a different way? or?
1: So I've never listened to much music.
0: I, fair um, enough.
1: I, yeah, I still don't listen to much music. And back then I I wasn't listening to much music. I am a, a nineties music nostalgic person to this day. I'm 31. I'm 32.
0: So we're like, we're the same age.
1: So, um, but I did have another creative outlet. I was doing art a lot. I was drawing a lot and, had kind of a mentor in in the family, a step uncle who was a professional painter and muralist and airbrusher. And so I would hang out with him and uh, get a lot of advice from him and just kind of let him see the stuff I'm doing.
0: And you had one older sibling or, or multiple older siblings?
1: I'm the youngest of four boys.
0: Okay. Were any of them doing visual art?
1: Uh, is no, that,
0: that was just your thing.
1: No, we, we really aren't a creative not a, family. <laughs> no, it's not
0: either. But you had this one step uncle. That's man. I, I talk sometimes like on this podcast, my, my uncle married a guy when I was already working on my master's degree, who's a professional artist and like having him in the family just now means so much to me, like just to not be like the only one. Yeah. Um, and like, he joined the family when I was like a full adult, you know, and I'm still just like, Jonathan, like, I'm so grateful. Yeah, uh, it means a lot to have like, someone in your family.
1: Yeah, it's, it's certainly different, you know, like, hanging out with people in finance, and you know, different it's a people live different worlds and different lives. Yeah. And just like they asked me kind of um, somewhat ignorant questions, you know. Questions I get about my job. I do the same thing Wait. about tech. You know, what is it like? Medicine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you go to work every is that day, a, day. Is the that same a full-time time? job?
1: You get paid to do
0: that. <laughs> so funny. So okay. So when you were doing art with your step uncle, were you like? Did you feel like serious and competitive about that too? Or was that nurturing like a different part of your brain?
1: Kind of. Yeah, I was, yeah, you know, I was, I wasn't actually trying to win any awards or anything. I guess that's what was different about that. Um, I've written poetry too uh, in my college days and was like sillily trying to get published, even though I shouldn't have been. Um, I don't know. But with, but with art, um, yeah, there wasn't as much competitive drive, but I was trying to get better and, yeah. you know, we, we were doing silly things. Like I would airbrush t-shirts cool, and try to make money off of them.
0: You were like hustling a little. Yeah. 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 When I said competitive, I meant more like with yourself, like kind of just like, I'm going to get better. And like, were you intense about it?
1: I don't think it was as intense cool. art for what me. What was somehow. it like
0: if like, if not intense, like what, like what? Um, what different things in you was it kind of like bringing out?
1: Well, to me, so making art is the opposite of making music to me, uh, in terms of how it feels. Uh, making art is very much a creative process. Yeah, where you, where you do a lot of brainstorming. You can you can consider a lot of options. Yeah. Whereas I think music is more of practice, practice, practice. Yeah. And it's more of a discipline and it's not a creative art. It's a performing art. It's different. Mm-hmm. Music composition would be more like right. making art, um, That's which is a whole different field. Right. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, this is this thing that you're talking about is it's so, it's so interesting to me. Like I f- often feel the same way. Like I teach, I I Um, I have a master's degree in jazz performance, which I think is creative in a different way because it's improvisational and obviously like still a ton of like just, you know, practicing technique. And so you have facility with your instrument. Um, And I also do a lot of composing. Um, But I, you know, I I frequently feel the same way, which is which is maybe one reason why I felt like when I first was introduced to jazz when I was like, you know, 16, it really sparked my interest in a different way. Cause it felt more creative where I loved like choir and I loved music and, um, loved making music with a group, but it didn't, it didn't feel as active to me or something like the type of the part of my brain that I wanted to really feel activated. Wasn't as much. Um, but You know, I've now conducted over 80 of these interviews and a lot of my guests are visual artists and a lot of my guests are musicians and I interview authors and poets and all kinds of mediums. And I hear I hear people say either thing about like so many things, like a lot of musicians that feel like, you know, technique is like very, very creative and like being creative with like how you apply your like physiology. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Like that it, to you it feels like um like one is like a craft, you know, maybe does it feel like that? Like you're really honing a craft and like for your music.
1: Totally. And then the
0: visual art is like creative in this abstract way.
1: Right. And yeah. also, I mean a big part of art. Like we think of art and often we think with modern art, we think Is that art? Yeah. And that can be the question there. Um, I think it's that same question applies to, like, it's easier to judge classical music and harder to judge when you're improvising. Yeah. Uh, Because the classical music is so much more rule-based. Right. Um, Totally. And so, yeah, it's like those two different worlds. It's like...
0: It's a completely different like rubric.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, it's like, why, why do people want to do the, the more rule-based one that it's, it's much more restrictive. Um, you know, when we approach a Beethoven symphony, there's very limited creativity that we can do in it. We're not brainstorming. Right. We're not like, like,
0: how can we take like, what's our take on this? Yeah, exactly.
1: It's, I mean, it, it, it is in a way, it's like, you know, what tempos do, does the conductor want to take? Like, what's the, what kind of feel is this? What do we think the composer meant by this? Like, what's, what's the intention yeah. of the music or what's the intention of your part? And how do you use creativity to express that? But it's very subtle. Like, do I want to use a wood stick or do I want to use a leather stick in yeah. this Beethoven excerpt? Right. You know, like that's going to be a subtle difference. I'm not changing the part.
0: Right. You know, like right. that would be
1: more like what you would be doing right. in art. You're like making the
0: part. Right. 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 Um, I also really enjoy asking artists about these kinds of things, asking professional artists. And, and when I say art, I mean the arts, all of them. Um, because I, I find that also like, kind of like how you're saying a lot of professional artists will have like a like a a practice that they do themselves that maybe like doesn't show up in their professional, you know, resume or whatever, but that kind of like touches on that other side of their brain or like, you know, keeps them kind of fulfilled in a different way. Um, you know, it's so many artists that I talk to are like, I also write poetry or like I sculpt sometimes, you know? Um, so that's cool. So you were, you were doing a lot of visual art, hustling a little bit about it. Um, feeling like, a different part of your brain is kind of turned on about it. Um, when did you start playing music?
1: So so I went through the BMX phase, then the skateboarding phase. And then I, in eighth grade, my best friend, Jonathan Knoll and I, we were, the semester had just started and we were in this new class. And the first lesson involved something like we had we were like how to iron your shirts and we were like no way this is we're not on board with this let's go down to the guidance counselor who we schmooze with and let's get out of this class and so the guidance counselor said well you have to show me you're excited about another class yeah. and, and so we threw out some options and a band came, became the option that fit our schedule
0: Cool,
1: and so there we go. It's like week two of eighth grade, and we march into band rehearsal, band class, and they're they're all playing their instruments in time. They're being yeah, they conducted. Like know
0: things already. Yeah, and yeah. and
1: so uh, we we got stuck in the back. Yeah, naturally playing percussion instruments. Yeah, and we were given a method book to and told how to. Told to learn how to read music on our own, Whoa. reading this book, yeah, and to use drumsticks and a practice pad, yeah, quietly in the back as they're yeah. rehearsing, and so we did that for a few wow, weeks. That's crazy, and then it turns out that the band director is actually a very skilled percussionist himself, cool. and that that was his primary instrument, and ended up being my private teacher cool. and being a huge influence. Um,
0: Wait, so hold on how did you get to the point that you're like wanting to take private lessons? Cause that's definitely something.
1: Okay. So I was really thinking that a big part of like, so that moment was a very important moment for me yeah. in music and kind of in life. Yeah. Because I, it set a bar where I came in and I was behind on this thing. And it was like, okay, I got to just practice, practice, practice. And like, I'll catch up to these people yeah. and like learn how to do this. Yeah. And so it set a precedent of me um, kind of trying to learn quicker. Yeah. And feeling this sense of urgency to learn. Yeah. Um, and... So, yeah, I was just – I had this kind of fire um, to learn.
0: Do you think that – first of all, do you think that that, like, is something that's just kind of, like, inherent to, like, your personality that just needed the right situation in order to kind of reveal itself? Yeah. Okay. And then, like, do you think that that same thing, given several different scenarios, would have – like? Could it have just as easily been any number of other things? I
1: think, but I would have, like, I don't think I could have played the violin. You know, I know you're not talking about just within music, music, but like, if it were to have been the violin... And it were to have been a more conventional situation, and I was much younger and like learning Suzuki method. Sure. I think I would have revolted. Yeah. So I think I needed it to kind of catch me by surprise and feel like something like a different kind of challenge, and that I was totally doing my own thing, and people, nobody was telling me what to do.
0: Well, (laughs) this is interesting because it's like you have this as a young kid, this kind of like rebel mindset, but then you're like, you know, thrown into this class where like, I, you know, as a teacher, like sometimes I get anxiety about that kind of thing. And like, it's one reason why I feel like I wouldn't want to teach like high school classrooms. Like I love teaching high school aged private lessons, but like the idea that someone could just like enroll and I would have to like deal with their full tone deafness or something like in a, in a classroom where I can't really give them one-on-one attention. Like I can't, I don't understand how people do that. I mean, I understand it, but I think it's crazy. Like I think it's incredible,
1: yeah. I think I think a lot of those teachers, especially the good ones, are martyrs, you know, they're yeah. they're putting in so much time and
0: absolutely so much, but like it's it's interesting that you like showed up in this class with no skills. and like that that thing of like, I mean, I feel like you could have also revolted against that and been like, I'll go, you know, okay, well, I don't want to iron a shirt and I also don't want to do this. So, you know, like, I feel like that could have happened, but instead you're like, I'm just going to get good at this. Like, what, why? why?
1: Right. I th- I think there is a juxtaposition of um, rebelling, but also having a desire to please. Totally. Yeah. And so, like, I remember specifically... Right when I started in band, we went around the room and everyone was silent except for the person who was performing and everyone played their scale that was called out and, um, you know, one other thing. And uh, we had to go around the room and I had to play too and I didn't really know yeah. what to do. And uh, that kind of set a bar in that way of like, I I want to, right. I want to please, like, I want to do this. This is, yeah. this is what we're doing. And now I have to learn how to do it. like it,
0: Something about it felt like valuable in a way that was like, I want to be able to participate in this level of excellence or, you know, right. whatever right. you saw in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Get that. And I
1: could see what you're saying. Like I could just rebel in the other way and say, well, no, yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing this. Like this is lame.
0: But like something about it, like it, it just like wasn't lame. So it yeah. was like, Is it kind of that? Like, it just felt like this seems like it's not arbitrary.
1: Yeah. And I think um, that band director commanded uh, that kind of respect. And he just had a way of speaking and a a way of handling the class. that, And uh, that's easy to follow and, and let him lead you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's so interesting I feel like a lot of the people that I talk to have like one specific teacher who like it was like if I didn't have that teacher this thing wouldn't happen and also like just hearing you say like you know someone had put me in Suzuki violin lessons when I was younger like here you are a professional full-time musician and do, do you feel like I get really freaked out sometimes thinking about how much like creative potential we lose because of like just the wrong time wrong place wrong thing um for a, a young like creative mind do you ever think about that or do you feel like things just happen as like they should
1: like like what you, what have you, i sacrificed to do music like what no could i have mean been? more
0: like what if someone had put you in violin and like you just were like i hate this right and then like you were in tech Like, I mean, you're not, but like, do you think, do you ever think about like the people who like could have been like really, you know, creative, vibrant adults who like, because of some thing like aren't, not that you like need to be in the arts to be creative.
1: Yes. But I also brainstorm the other way. Like, what if I went that way, but then. Was more successful, yeah, or like more happy, or you know, I I hang out with a lot of non musician friends, yeah. and a lot of them work in medicine, yeah, because when you work in certain fields in medicine, specifically the emergency department, yeah. you work random hours, and that's more compatible with sure. my own schedule, yeah, <laughs> um, and I I think about. I really like their lifestyle and I yeah. think about what would it have been if I went into medicine, sure. which I had never ever considered. Yeah. Um, so, but it's, but yeah. it, I, I think about that and like, I think, Oh, maybe I could even be happier doing that. I'm yeah. very happy in in yeah. my career and I'm very proud of it. And it's, you know, it's very unique. Um,
0: I think I'm, I'm thinking more about like just untapped potential. I mean, obviously someone that is in medicine is not having like, untapped potential. Right. I mean these things are very like indefinable. Um but you know, I think about sometimes adults that I know who just like are miserable and like you know, they're doing a job that they don't care about and you know, or maybe they're even in a field that like some people care about but like they're just you know, I I think about that sometimes and and I think as a teacher wonder a lot about whether I'm missing anything or like, you know, I just think about that a lot. Like how, how delicate is our like creative energy? Like, is is it resilient? Like, what does it require? I don't know. I think about those kinds of things a ton.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wonder about that too. Like if like, do you have a, a creative, um, like if you, a creative surplus, a creative amount that you have to, you know, use up. And, you know, if I were to work in tech, like, would I feel this untapped thing? Yeah. You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Or, or it could just as easily be the other way where like, maybe if someone put you in violin and you revolted against that, you would have still just found your way to something very creative, whether or not it's music. Right. Right. Um, and maybe someone who like, you know, I, cause I have students who like are my music students who I just see, no, they're just not interested. You know, they're taking like private voice lessons from me and they just like are barely interested at mm-hmm. uh, children. You know, if adults are taking lessons, they're interested, but if children are taking lessons, like sometimes, you know, who knows why they're there. Um, and I wonder like, is there something I could do? Or like if they had another teacher or is this just the kind of thing where like, no matter what the situation is, this person just like, isn't that interested in like having a sparkly creative brain.
1: See, so maybe, yeah, maybe we're getting onto something here. So I really think lately, especially even with coronavirus, I really think that music and creative arts are very risky to get into. And so maybe, yeah, maybe that's a natural, like, instinct with these kids. Like, if they're only half in, it's, you know.
0: It just means that they're not in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that most people probably shouldn't do creative arts because, you know, they I feel like in any career, they say, well, there's not that many jobs out there. I mean, maybe not in all careers, but in music, they certainly say that.
0: Yeah. You know, I think they um, say that in plenty of careers. Right. Yeah.
1: But it's really true. There's not a lot of jobs out there and it's a really risky investment. You know, college is an investment. Your time is an investment and it's really risky. Yeah. And, you know, like there what's the, what's the alternative? Like in high school you do sports. Yeah. Um, and I think with sports and with music, you do it in high school and you invest in it. And I think that's okay. You, you can yeah. leave it at high school and it, it doesn't mean it, it didn't yeah. have value. And I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah. I agree. But I think people can also get into a trap of, well, you're successful in high school, so maybe you shouldn't major in this. Right. And, as a parent you've invested all this time this money in private lessons yeah. and in the instruments and whatever but maybe it's sunk costs at yeah. that point and they shouldn't actually major yeah. in it
0: well i mean i think or or there's a third option which i which i i feel really hopeful about which is like i frequent i pretty frequently have students who are totally sparkly and they're very invested and they, I see them like light up when they get certain things, you know, when they tap into like some real, you know, artful musicality or if we're songwriting or if they achieve, you know, a new, like they reach kind of a new technical ability. Um, And like they and I both know they're not going to be professional musicians. Like they have other interests, but I think that creativity will stick. Like whatever they end up doing, so it's maybe it's maybe less about like the art and like whether they're doing music and more just like would there be something else that would light up this creativity in some of these students like is music just not the thing but something else could, or are they just like that's just not I don't know, I think I think really what I'm wondering about is whether creativity is ever like if everybody's creative, you know, yeah, anyway, there's no answer, right I just like thinking about it and no. or really hate thinking about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing about music too, is that there's always a next level. Um, so that no matter where you're at, there's always something to work on. And I think that's always an admirable thing to, to just try to get deeper into yeah. whatever you're doing. It and, teaches you
0: how to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And how to think differently. For and,
1: sure. and that activity becomes m- more fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, you know, different instruments are different, but you have to get past certain thresholds in order to start making music and right. feeling any kind of emotion. That kind of it. like
0: delayed gratification is something you really, you really internalize Yeah. Uh, when you are endeavoring in this kind of thing. Um, so you started taking private lessons because like you wanted to get better and then eventually you realized you kind of, were going to need some help. And then like, um, did you have to like ask your parents like would you have to make a case for like why you should have lessons or were they like sure yeah
1: i think somewhere in the middle yeah. um i remember at one point in high school i was having lessons every other week and that was almost more me i was like thinking well if i did every other week i have more time to practice and i want to like really be prepared for my lessons so and i remember my band director sat me down and he said well you know, I really think you should be doing lessons every week. And I think so. I, th- I think my parents might have been on board with it. I think I was more of the frugal one, even in high yeah. school saying like, no, I think, I think this is more practical <laughs> for me.
0: Oh my gosh. And
1: I was, I was definitely crafty. I, I wasn't, um, costing my parents too much money. I, I took a marimba. I borrowed like a old marimba from my high school and like took it on a pickup truck right Awesome. on a flatbed pickup truck in the open air. We took that to my house and it lived at my house for like six months so I could practice. And so how
0: long did it take between like, you know, your first day in band and like being the kid who takes the marimba home?
1: Right. Not very long. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty fast.
0: You just like took to it quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Um, and go ahead. You know
1: what? I'm still the same person because I'm learning how to play volleyball right now. Yeah. And I'm kind of like doing what I did you in, just in dig music, in. like a, yeah. A, yeah, literally in, yeah. in the sand yeah. in volleyball. Yeah. Um, cuz I feel, I feel behind. I feel this like fire. I feel like I yeah. I'm, I need to catch up and I'm there like after school and before school, you know. Yeah. W- w- the equivalent to that now. Well, I think that's
0: <laughs> at least like one kind of tally in the like this is a personality trait kind of a you know, right. column. Right. It is. Which like, there are so many things though, like this kind of like, you know, again, like one of, one of the things that I find really interesting as I've conducted all these interviews is like there, there are like a subset of people who I think you would have a lot in common with who are like, yeah, I just, I get really hungry about things and like, I want to know everything and I want to be really great at it. And then there are other people who are like very slow, you know, and like very, like it's very abstract um, and they both end up in the same place sometimes like i'm sure if i interviewed like every member of the symphony there would be like plenty of stories that are like all equally totally different um anyway it's just interesting it, it makes me think like it makes me think that the thing that we call creativity is really like a bunch of other things oh yeah
1: totally um that kind of also relates to the idea of talent yeah and so the the question of are you born creative are you born talented are you predisposed or can you create that you know in inspiration is related to talent or and and creativity and do you wait for the inspiration or do you find the inspiration yeah. you know uh, i think I'm a big believer in th- that there is no talent. Yeah. And I there's so only effort. I think creativity can be the same way too. I think if you force yourself to just put away, you know, external distractions and and try to be creative and do brainstorming. And, you know, look up how to like how to brainstorm, like make lists. If you're if you're just trying, I think that you will then actually be what we say creative.
0: Yeah. Do you think this thing of like just trying, like this thing of like, well I'll just try. It, do you think that is like something that is like you have it or you don't?
1: Um well, I think like trying, uh, saying like I tried my best yeah. can mean a couple different things. Right. Um, it can be in a way it can be a cop out or it can be like honest. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I'm not sure.
0: I don't know. I think about it a lot. I think about it as a teacher and especially someone who teaches kids. And I also think about it as it pertains to like society and politics and just the ways that we think creatively, problem solve creatively, and I wonder a lot about like what these things actually are and like, which of them are teachable. I think as a whole, like there's a lot of ways to get creative, but like, is there something that's that it's like, maybe some people, maybe it's not that they're not creative, but they don't have any drive or maybe it's not that they're, maybe they're, maybe they, they could be creative, but they're too scared, you know? Right. Yeah. right.
1: Um, It's not a
0: problem that's solvable. It's just I like to hear everybody's thoughts about it.
1: (laughs) I think that's come up in volleyball to make an allusion to that.
0: I'm Um, I'm ready.
1: I've realized that in volleyball, if I lack confidence because I'm new and most of the players I play with are better than me, then things start to go wrong more. And I can't actually be creative in my playing style. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, it does take some confidence and risk to say like, oh, I think I can, instead of hitting the ball over the net, I think I can cut shot it to the corner over there and have the confidence to take the risk to do that, and, Right. which is, you know, take a more creative shot rather than just the, what the, sh- the shot that might be more expected. Right.
0: Exactly. Like my, one other, one of my friends, like she calls it like divergent thinking, like just thinking like, okay, well, what are my other options instead of kind of getting tunnel vision on one thing? It's, it's totally what creativity is. And it can be, it can manifest itself in anything, anything you're doing. So go ahead.
1: That makes me think of, um, that when you're creative and if you're brainstorming, you're, you're taking risk in choosing things that are unusual, like doing unusual things, thinking of outlandish options. Yeah. And I do think that we have a fear of uh, risk and a fear of failure. Yeah. So when we brainstorm, you know, we might think of options that could fail. And Mm -hmm. then to pursue one of those options requires you to admit that this could totally fail. And maybe a lot of those did fail until the one that didn't, right? Yeah,
0: that's the thing that people who, that's the thing people don't like to talk about. (laughs) But those of us who've done a lot of creative stuff know it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like,
0: and it's not even like, oh, stuff fails like your business fails or something, but like a method of practicing fails. like, it's just, you know, you know it and I know it, but like, it's not the kind of thing that we're talking about. It's easy to like imagine that, you know, everything just kind of went right. Um, yeah. Which is why I think it's good to talk about it. Um, so when you were starting to get good at drums, you're like investing, you're taking the marimba home, you're taking lessons. Were you also doing visual art still?
1: I was. Yeah. Um, I did something silly, which was, I convinced my art teacher at, in high school, the one that was teaching AP art, that to let me into AP art without having taken any other art mm-hmm, class mm-hmm. <laughs> just cause I had done art on my own. Um, but I really wasn't prepared for that, but, um, he had a great time looking at the way I approached yeah. art because I hadn't had the technical foundation yeah. that other people had and done all those things. And so I did have a different perspective that wasn't quite dialed in, it was kind of loose, but, but fun for him to see.
0: Were your other friends, like other peers aware that you did these two things, music and visual art? Like how much was it a, a part of your identity? Um,
1: I don't think it overlapped that much. You know, it wasn't the same people. Okay. Uh, you know, I had, I was definitely, I was a band kid. So like okay. the art was definitely just on the side and I had some friends in there, but and was your band friends
0: didn't really know. Like it wasn't yeah, like it was a secret. Say. It just wasn't like it wasn't something that you were like, "Hey, this is what I do, and this right. is the thing I do."
1: Yeah, I yeah, that's right.
0: Okay. Um, do you want to say anything else about this thing that you just started saying with your art teacher and um, feeling like you were thinking in a different way? Like, do you do you think there's like something important to share with that?
1: I'm just so creative.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I,
1: I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I, I do tend to, I think, I, I, I think it is like m- me just putting myself out there and it's yeah. like, well, this isn't quite right, but I'm going to go for it and we'll, we'll see what happens. It sounds like
0: that's a common thread. <laughs> like you, you, you're like tenacious, like, you know, going to the counselor and being like, have a band or, you know, like talking your way into AP art. I, I also think that those are creative skills. Like we don't all need that, but we all need kind of something like a little scrappy. Um, and sometimes like the scrappy thing is just being like, I belong in this room. Even if you're like, you totally don't, you know, like (laughs) I think that's also like, it's, it's an equally valid way to get into the room. I, I think, you know, then, um, like, meticulously like working your way into the room <laughs> like you got there and then like what you're going to do after that is like what really matters but yeah we don't all have the right kind of personalities to like follow the same paths to get to like the thing that we want yeah which is that's i mean if that's not creativity like what is yeah um so like when did you tell, tell me the story of like how you started thinking like, maybe I pursue music professionally.
1: Right. So in Florida and Texas, marching band is a big thing. So throughout my high school years, you know, it was a big part of my high school and at my high school, the, I really, I I did get confirmation that this is true, not just my own bias, um from someone had shared a story on Facebook that some f- one of the football players had seen them post high school and said you know back in high school it was the marching band kids that were cool and the football players weren't as cool because the marching band was so good and the football yeah. team was okay
0: yeah um, it's so funny
1: and so there was this following uh of the marching band world and, you know, we were super dorky, but we were also pretty cool. cool.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, it's so arbitrary. What's like cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But um, but so I was doing music a lot and I became I was like the drum captain and drum line and like the center snare drummer. And then I was the drum major. So I was the conductor of the marching band.
0: The one which, that wears the white gloves.
1: Yeah. <laughs> White gloves and, you know, you have your hat and you do a little salute. Yeah. (laughs) And so. Awesome. And so it was kind of the expectation that I was going to go to college for music. Mm. And that's why I did. I did end up kind of challenging that. And I wasn't sure I wanted to study music. Yeah. I eventually did. But I also uh, dropped out for a semester. Okay, I sent my in college. I sent my teacher a pretty. Uh, unemotional email saying I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing music anymore. Thank you. And left music and didn't think I was coming back. Yeah. I actually, I kind of left a caveat in the email like, Oh, maybe I'll see you again next semester. But I, I didn't think I was.
0: So when you, so you went, you first declared music as a major, like you auditioned for schools. Did you go out of state or did you stay in state? Like when you started?
1: So, Um, I went to Florida state. Okay. Um, again, a little bit of frugality there because if, if you, if you go to high school in Florida and you have a decent GPA, you you get get free tuition.
0: It's like that in Arizona as well, Mm, just where I grew up. We both grew up in like shame States. Yeah. <laughs> like embarrassing States a little bit. Totally, No offense to Arizona <laughs> or Florida. Like it's just kind of, you know, it is mm-hmm. what it is. <laughs> They're like the States that people make fun of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to North Texas for school, so, oh, right. so I went out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so curious about like the mindset. So like when you, so you, in order to like, I mean like auditioning for schools is like something like you have to kind of feel a little bit of something in order to just do that. It's not like an easy thing to do. So you auditioned, you went to school, like before you quit music for a time, um, like, what were you thinking? Like, were you, were you thinking already? Like, like this leads to a job in the symphony, like, or were you kind of just going like one step at a time?
1: I was, I was thinking, um, I'll just get a major in music and not. Sh- I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with okay. it, and I also was thinking after a year of doing music in college that it wasn't that fulfilling. Yeah, that it was kind of, in a nutshell, all all the things we've been talking about uh, lacking in creativity. Yeah. it was, it was just tons of work and mm. tons of practice, and I was at a state school with. And I was living not in a a music dorm, but I was living in a general dorm and seeing a lot of people having fun Mm -hmm. and hanging out in the quad. And I felt like, oh, maybe I just don't want to do music. Maybe I just want to do something else.
0: It is true. Like being a music major is a whole different deal. It's a whole different thing. I mean, I think anything in the arts, but.
1: I can say that's true because I wasn't a music major for a semester. (laughs) And it was easier, you know. It, It was like you're still doing homework. Yeah. That's what
0: people don't understand. Like, even though your classes might be really hard, like when you're a music major, you're in class, like in class, like 25 hours a week instead of like, you know, 11, mm -hmm. um, like because of the rehearsals and it's like one credit, but it's five hours a week plus a sectional. (laughs) And like, that doesn't include like, any of your practice time or any of your homework. You're just freaking in class, like as much as you were in high school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And I was the type of person that if given too many assignments, I would just try to do them all. Yeah. (laughs) And then I think I, Essentially, yeah, I just got burnt out at the end yeah. of the year. I was like, this isn't sustainable. Yeah. It's not what I want. If that's gonna be like how my, my career feels like, how my job feels like just yeah. working all the time.
0: Interesting. Um, one more question. Did you like music?
1: Like uh, like
0: do you like like you know, you said you didn't really listen, which I I think plenty of musicians also like were doing it so much I sometimes hardly can listen to music. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, but like, did you like music?
1: I really come to music in a different, my passion for music is of performing. Sure. Um, that's
0: why I'm asking. Cause yeah. I'm not assuming anything.
1: Yeah. I I do like music, but not more than the average person. And I really am thankful for audience members that do
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> because
1: I love performing. And I think that if I wasn't performing, if I were to have a midlife crisis and leave the orchestra, I would come back and hear the orchestra, but I wouldn't feel the need to do that very often. Yeah. Um, So, so many audience members have such a visceral and emotional response and I am greatly appreciative that they have that feeling. And I sometimes will have that feeling.
0: So, you know, even if you're performing a lot, you're not performing nearly as much as you're practicing. I mean, especially when you're in college or, you know, when you're younger, Um, but surely like you're also rehearsing like a lot more than you're performing. Um, how, when, what do you feel like, let's, what do you feel is the difference between rehearsing and performing? Like, do you, are there still things you like about rehearsing? Like if I'm trying to, I'm trying to get at like, what is it that you love about performing? And like, do you get pieces of it in practice or is it very different?
1: Right. Like, I think it's. You know that that feeling maybe before a performance of like "I hope this goes well, the feeling mm-hmm. kind of that I just want to like turn around and go home, but I'm gonna go do this anyways, you know that that adrenaline, yeah you know i I do still feel that in many performances, I think from instrumentalist to instrumentalist in the orchestra that varies, yeah, um. I think a lot of people just you know they've done so many shows Yeah, that, it's like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I still you know it still it still feels different. It does feel different yeah. for people. You you know it does when when the performance has a different energy level. It yeah. clearly isn't just the same thing as the rehearsal.
0: Do you do you like the rehearsal and the practice like because it reminds you that you're gonna be able to perform, or do you like do you like other things about it, or do you not like it?
1: So. In in our job in the orchestra, the rehearsals are in a way the similar feel as the performance because okay. you have so few of them. Okay. And so like even a pop show, you know, in these pop shows in the summer, you know, say it's like, you know, if it's cool if it's a cool night, we're playing with Kenny Rogers, yeah. you know. Like we and, did
0: we did that Ben Folds thing. I was there for that. Right. Yeah.
1: Ben Folds. Yeah. And, you know, we'll rehearse once for those types of shows. Yeah. And maybe you get a xylophone lick or some timpani pedaling thing. Well, that-
0: ben Folds gives you an assignment in the rock that bitch segment. Exactly. <laughs> um what it's called?
1: I think so. I think. I was, yeah, I think so. Um, but because you only have one rehearsal, you're really trying to get it right in that rehearsal too. And if you don't get it right in that rehearsal, then there's like a little more pressure for that show to, to get it. Now you're thinking, well, I missed it in the rehearsal.
0: So other than that, is there anything you like about like music or being a musician or practicing? Like, are there, are there any other pieces of it that you're like, actually, I really do enjoy this.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think there is something about the, the solitude of it. Yeah. You know, um, that I don't mind. And I think there's a lot of little things that are hard to, for me to think of right now. Totally. But yeah. yeah. I, I do like a lot about music. I like a lot about my specific field of percussion because, um, one of the creative things actually about it is that I can build instruments. So, so once mm-hmm. in a while I'll get excited about some project. We've got one project going on right now, uh, a long-term project, of kind of that I'm uh, taking charge of where I'm building some instruments cool. and acquiring some instruments and making yeah. some instruments. I, I'm in the process of making this reed instrument that goes from a reed into a gourd that's a ball, like a ball-shaped gourd cool. into a flute so that you can do some fingerings on the flute to change the pitch and cool. get this like reedy sound, but is also kind of a quiet instrument.
0: Wait, so you, but you, you're making the instrument for a flautist or you play it.
1: It's for a percussion ensemble piece that calls for this instrument that comes from that. The original ensemble had found, I think in Sulawesi, uh, an Island in like, uh, like Indonesia. Oh. Um, I was thinking but it, for
0: sure this was going to be an African instrument.
1: Yeah, and but yeah, it's from there, In Indonesia, I guess, and it cool. It's just an instrument that the ensemble had, and I'm trying to replicate. You're it, trying to figure it out. It's not an instrument. You can't Google it. It's it's not an instrument that cool is known of.
0: Oh, really. I love that kind of thing so much. Yeah, I think like, I think how you said, like, there's a lot of little things you can't really think of. Um, I think that's very common. And like the the things that people might assume that we do or value about what we do often like aren't the things, Um, which is why my podcast is called Artifice, because like, I think there just are all these things that we know we know, like, so kind of intimately that we maybe can't even like think of how to say them um, about what our jobs are like and about what our brains are like and how we kind of get to the things that we're doing and how we do them. Um, that I think, I think a lot of people might find interesting. Like I find it interesting, like, again, like hearing my guests kind of talk about like how they conceive of what they do. Um, especially because almost everybody has a really hard time talking about it, Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. I'm fascinated with like the ways in which our brains are just like totally different. Um, okay. So how did you decide to come back to music?
1: So let me paint a little bit of a picture in the, in the meantime, when I wasn't doing music, I I studied, I took a poetry course Cool. and with a great teacher who was into form poetry so she specialized in her own poetry, writing form poetry,
0: form poetry, like like limericks, like it, it's, it's, like it, it has a structure.
1: Exactly. Okay. It's it. And it's, it's rule based. Okay. So it was right up my alley as the way yeah. I like to create. I fully get um, that. One of the, the poems that I'm proud of was a abecedarian form. And so it's 26 lines specific so specifically because it follows each letter of the alphabet okay so cool. each line has to begin with the next consecutive letter of the alphabet cool. and you try to kind of disguise that form cool um, you don't want it to feel like it would like the the creativity was limited by the form right Um. And then you, you get to use some creative ways sometimes to, when you get towards the end of the right. alphabet, yeah <laughs> it's like, it gets harder to use that X. Right, right, right. But maybe you use like EX, uh, like X, you know, X wife would count sure, as your sure, X, sure. even though it starts with an E, yeah, you know, yeah. you take some license there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So you got into poetry and then you felt your creative brain like lighting up again then yeah. What hap- in then a what different happened. way. Like, yeah.
1: you know, it was a different pace of life. Like I'd be in a courtyard at nighttime writing poetry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very and romantic. Then, and then I was taking a art class. I was taking a 3d foundations art class where we were sculpting wood and using, um, cardstock to make, mock uh, mock mockups and stuff like cool. that. And, cool. And And that was a whole different experience. Cause I'm like, I got like ear, like heavy duty ear phones on and we're using like heavy machinery cutting wood. And I'm yeah. doing like small little fine cutting with like power, power tools and sharp blades yeah. and putting my fingers right there yeah. next to it. Scary. One time I was cutting a piece of wood and it ricocheted off of the, the blade, ricocheted across the room. And I kind of like lost control of my hands, but didn't go into any blades. And I looked around and nobody had even noticed, you know, oh like my gosh. you could be bleeding and no one would know. Yeah, because they all <laughs>
0: have the headphones on. Oh, my gosh. So, but how did you get back into music? Like what what happened?
1: So I did the semester and I had a good time, but I did realize that I really thrived in music. Okay. You know, I, I'm good at it. I like it. Um and I, I do like the idiom and i had tried other things and yeah i it was clear to me then without regret yeah that it
0: was you just what needed i needed to make to sure do. yeah um when you say the idiom do you mean like the genre do you or do you mean like the orchestra like what do you mean
1: yeah i mean like the whole the whole the whole thing of practicing the whole structure oh, the okay. structure of music of what
0: the whole actual thing is yeah cool 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 yeah i get that i feel the same way um Okay. And then you finished your bachelor's degree at at then, like fairly quickly. Like once you were like, I'm in, you like went through it.
1: Quickly three more years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I just mean like it was, cause some people, like I interviewed someone last week who was like, it took me 15 years. Like I was very like doing a little of this and then exploring and right. But you were kind of like, you were focused on school and then you finished school. Right. And then did you go straight into a master's? I
1: did. And when I had auditioned for my undergrad, uh, I did something stupid, which was I only auditioned at the school I wanted to go to, Florida State.
0: I did that as well. But it <laughs> and, was North Texas.
1: Right. And it, and and it worked out for both there. of us. Yeah. But then for my master's, I went the other route and I auditioned at every top conservatory that I could want to go to, which there were six of them. Um, and so I did that whole circuit, you know, and then. That was maybe like the the highest point in my career like the the most influential point when I I got into when I had a very successful run of auditions and got like a lot of full tuition offers and got into the conservatory that I went to which was Manhattan School of Music cool. and studied with uh, teacher that is the teacher in the percussion world and the percussionist he's both a great percussionist and a great pedagogue cool um and so i think that was a real influential part in my in the technical yeah. ability and the, the that eventually led me to successfully audition for the cool. utah symphony
0: awesome um how old were you when you like started your masters
1: Um just the normal track twenty twenty two,
0: twenty three. Um what did you feel like at that time in your life in like your like your identity, like when you would just meet people and like tell them what you were doing, or like when you were talking to like your peers and you know, presumably doing better than a lot of them? Not presumably like you were doing better than a lot of them. Um like just what did you feel like? Like were you very confident? were you like unsure about some things? Like what, what do you remember feeling at this, like p- this point where you're getting a lot of validation?
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was mostly not feeling confident, mostly yeah. feeling very scared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> scared of not getting a job. I think Yeah. <laughs> scared of, um, yeah, like just not being ended up ending up being successful. Um,
0: what do you think about the fact that like, you know, you're like at the top of your profession for people, your age, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. getting, getting great offers to the right. best schools in the world and still feeling like very scared. Yeah. Like what, what do, do I think have,
1: that's partly music. Yeah. Cause you never feel good about music. Oh my gosh. I feel like, yeah. yeah. Right. Like, yeah. You know, I think the opera went well last night. But I don't, I I still like feel little moments here and there that I'm like, oh, I want to do that better.
0: Well, that's like, that's one of those things that makes that, um, you know, I don't want to say like non-creative, but like this type of performance where it's supposed to be perfect. Because like no one's expecting jazz to be perfect because Mm -hmm. it's improvised. It's like you said, like it's hard to, it's hard to even say like whether it's good. I mean, we can. There are some ways we can say whether it's good, but it is so like ephemeral where like, you know, what you're playing for the opera, like it can, like theoretically, like it can be perfect. There is like a perfect. Um, And I think like this kind of perpetual, like nitpicking at it is like the thing that kind of makes it like exciting. Do you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like just... it, that's like the that's like the thing that keeps your brain excited. Like maybe it's not creative, but it's so present and so like very very focused. Um, yeah, there's there's a specific like there's a specific thing that feels interesting about that that is really you can't do it in other ways. I mean, can you?
1: Yeah, no, I can't I don't... think
0: of anything else.
1: Yeah. Um, you're, you're presenting it too in a very positive light and, you know, and I'm kind of presenting it with a little more Duende, like, you know, it's this feeling of dissatisfaction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like,
0: like, I'll never get there. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. And just, and I,
1: I, I was thinking that like, I think as you get older, you just learn to let that go. Yeah. Right. And that's with anything.
0: Yeah. Well, I interviewed your colleague, Walter, the cellist, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. I really liked talking with him. And one thing that we were talking about that, like, I really feel, I mean, I I perform in a group fairly rarely now, like a large group. I used, I mean, I did a ton of choir in high school. It was like, you know, in the all-state groups. And that, like, meant a lot to me. And then, you know, when I was in college, I was in, like, a vocal jazz ensemble that's like, you know, a, a chamber group, basically. Um, like a, like a largest chamber group maybe. Um, and, uh, I love like performing in real time with other, with a a lot of other people. Um, I think there's something like just so fragile about it. Like Mm -hmm. that you have to have a lot of trust in a lot of, in a lot of other people and, Yeah, like you, like just knowing that you can really do your best and someone else doesn't, and having to deal with that, or knowing that like you're the, like you made the mistakes. Right. Like those are things that I just find like very rich, like personally, like viscerally. I enjoy those experiences, honestly, (laughs) in either direction. Like there's just something so like, I don't know another, a better word than interesting. It's just like, it's novel, you know? Like those experiences are very like, human in a very particular way. So I can imagine being like interested like that every time playing with an orchestra. But I also just, I haven't, I haven't ever done that for years and years and years and years and years. You know, I did it in Mm -hmm. high school and I did it in college in a really different way. And then now like, you know, I play in a wedding band and that's like the closest thing, which is, it's totally different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe the, when you're performing and rehearsing and you're stimulating your mind and you feel this, this group mindset and this, this pressure that you're saying, like, are you, uh, holding back the ensemble? Are you the one messing up or someone else messing up? Like, yeah,
0: like, how do you is deal that, with that?
1: Yeah. Is that affecting it? Like maybe there's something about that that's kind of an instinctive quality that yeah. that is that's being fulfilled as humans. You know, sure. like this this teamwork, this feels camaraderie. feels like hunting in pack together. Or right. Or <laughs> so it's silly. like like a friend of mine pointed out that studies show uh, <laughs> that when playing certain games like board games or cards, you get to act on a human instinct that we don't get to act on. Um, of like, like being manipulative, like trying to get your way, like doing, doing these actions for that, for that cause in that way. Yeah. And maybe the, the music is a, some other, but similar yeah. instinctive fulfillment.
0: I think so. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's why a lot of people like that kind of performance art, like per- performance. Yeah not performance art like the genre, but like, yeah, performing arts, um, even if they're, you know, supposed to be the same every night, there is something like really kind of present, presently uh, risky and interesting about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm into it. Um, Is there anything else you want to say about your college years? Like in terms of art, creativity what these endeavors are actually like that might be different from what people think
1: I mean just that I think that my my master's uh was like the 10,000 hour rule it was just like putting in time 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 just practicing so much and you know that and so yeah I, I think that people maybe just don't realize um you know how how much is going on there? Yeah, in in the background. Yeah. And
0: oh my gosh, so much. Yeah, yeah. You teach some, or used to.
1: I teach some. It's it's both not as much my passion and not as much in demand as for for percussion. There's yeah. Not a some a lot of kids want to learn drum set or you know, there's just other instruments. You know, yeah. There's a lot. It seems like a lot of violinists, a lot yeah. of pianists, singers singers yeah. taking lessons. Flute. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, okay. And then is this your first job? Like, it is, okay, yes. cool. Do, do you want to like tell about the audition process?
1: Yeah. So, um, I am proud to say that my resume to audition for the Utah symphony was rejected. Okay. Um, okay. being a master's student, I guess, wasn't competitive enough for the resumes they were getting. So, Mm. um, so then I told my teacher and my teacher called the Utah symphony and my teacher has some clout, even though it didn't really matter. I think that if, if I think anyone that had petition would, would get an audition. Sure. sure. I mean, different auditions are different, but uh, you know, each audition is different.
0: Did you seek this position out or was it kind of like this one was open?
1: It was more of a sense of practicality for, you know, uh, there's not that many auditions every year and within, uh, percussion, there's a couple different, uh, orchestral positions and they may suit you more or less, you know, whether it's principal or section, you know, whether you're going to be, so principal would be playing the. The biggest, the the solo parts, the most involved parts, and also managing your section and being responsible for making sure you have rental instruments and that your section is all there and that everything's in working order.
0: Are are you the principal?
1: I am not the principal. Um, But then, then there's the timpanist that only plays timpani. Okay. And then thirdly, there's the guy that plays both. Okay. The guy or girl that plays both. And percussionists are mostly guys.
0: Yeah, this is something yeah. I'm aware of.
1: Yeah. There's there's actually a stereotype for each instrument that is somewhat true. Yeah, um,
0: this is also something I'm aware of. Yes, <laughs> it's different in the jazz band, but also right.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I am my role in the orchestra, and the the uh, the audition that was open was for the role of the timpanist and percussionist, okay. the one that does both. And so they're uh, they're called a they're a titled player like a a principal player is a titled player you say, and so I am called the associate principal timpanist. Okay, um, and that just means that I'm not the primary timpanist and I'm not the principal percussionist. I do kind of get to do both. Yeah, just. But whenever you play timpani, you're playing a principal role. Timpany okay. is just principal, and so when I'm playing timpani, which I do often. You know, I'm playing that principal role, but I'm not, I'm not being paid to do that exclusively. Okay. Okay. Um, so I never did consider myself as much of a timpanist in, in the percussion world, especially as you get to your masters, you kind of, some, most people are like, I'm a percussionist. And then some people feel like they're a tympanist, Okay. which makes sense with numbers because there's more percussionists than timpanists. Okay. So. So then when there was an opening for uh, this role of playing timpani and percussion, I was a little bit not sure I could do it. Okay. And there was a unique part of this audition, which was you had to use, you had to play percussion. And then you not only had to play timpani, but you had to play on the Utah Symphony's modern-made Baroque timpani, plus their normal okay modern timpani okay so you don't have access to those instruments they're very unique like
0: couldn't practice it right
1: so you you don't know exactly what you're in for yeah and a challenge with timpani is playing in tune you have to play in tune and that's like in an audition if you're not in tune that's the that's the baseline right right even though it's very difficult to play in tune on timpani and it's sometimes elusive to hear the pitch.
0: Yeah. Cause it's so big.
1: It's so big. It can, the pitch can be wobbly kind of changes based on if you're playing loud or soft yeah. sometimes. Um, and so on these Baroque drums, the pitch isn't super centered. Yeah. And so in the audition, you know, you, you have to worry about that a lot yeah. you know, about tuning it. How do you tune it? Cause it doesn't use a pedal. So timpani you tune with your feet Okay. You can tune it as you play. I mean, you, you tune before you play, but you can adjust it as you play because yeah. you're using your feet to do that. Crazy. Um, but the Baroque drums didn't have foot pedals because that's a more sophisticated technology. So they yeah. had a hand crank.
0: Oh, my gosh. That
1: cranks a chain around the drum. And so that's how these yeah. modern Baroque drums are, are made. And so you use a crank. And so that whole system is new. Yeah. To, and then to you have to just like go auditioner. and audition on it. Right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so that, that was a big factor of this audition and just playing, playing timpani and playing percussion and, and juggling all that. It's kind of becomes like, uh, you just have that much more to think about and deal with. And you get your your timpani sticks as well as your percussion instruments. You know, you're, you're bringing instruments to the audition. Yeah. Uh, you bring your own snare drum, you, you audition on tambourine and you bring your own tambourine you and and for most auditions, you need at least two different types of tambourines.
0: Okay,
1: um, and so you get your tambourines, you get your triangles. You, there was triangle on this audition.
0: You have got your triangles.
1: Yeah, you've got a couple different triangles, and yeah. you got some different beaters, and uh, so yeah, you get your snare drum. You
0: have your flute gourd
1: and your flute gourd <laughs> thing for the little showcase yeah. encore.
0: Um, By the way, I have also this. Yeah. <laughs> In case you wanted to know a little bit more about me, I also have this flute gourd.
1: Yeah. And so people don't know this. You also audition on crash cymbals. Um,
0: That's so crazy. You
1: audition on bass drum and as well as melodic percussion instruments like glockenspiel, also known as bells and xylophone. I didn't know that
0: Glockenspiel was called bells. Yeah, it's the I same they word, were different it's things.
1: Bell. I mean, it's Glockenspiel is just a better. It's a more specific term because okay. bells could mean like
0: hand bells. Yeah, yeah, could, yeah. sure. And, Jingle bells.
1: Yeah, um, and then base bass, marimba. You, so Vibrephone. the first part of I'm skipping around, but the first part of like my final round audition was to play some Bach on marimba.
0: No big they, deal.
1: Yeah, that was part of the the audition repertoire to play a Bach of your choice on Marimba. And so everyone plays Bach, right? And In, including percussionists. So we just transcribe violin sonatas typically. Yeah. And transcribe meaning just read it. Yeah. And just transcribe the octave. Yeah. Um and so uh the audition goes over two days. Uh so after my teacher called and I got actually invited to the audition, then I prepared for it, and you know, you prepare for a couple months, and there you fly out to the audition. I hadn't ever been to Utah before. On the plane ride here, um, they had some like polygamy USA was one of the things that I could watch, so I was yeah. watching that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Getting a total wrong impression of Utah. Oh,
0: I don't even know that that is a thing. Is that like a, a TV show, a channel? Uh,
1: yeah, I guess it was a I've TV show. I've never heard of that. Yeah, um, literally, you're
0: freaking out on the plane. literally
1: on the <laughs> my cab ride to downtown from the airport. The the cab driver had seen my luggage and identified me as a musician. Yeah, and saw my age <laughs> and identified me as maybe an auditioning musician.
0: Yeah, that's so funny. and so he
1: he mentions like oh, did you know the Utah Symphony had a cello audition two weeks ago? And he's like, oh, yeah, I drove one of those guys to the audition. And then I happened to drive the same guy back to the airport. And he says, you know what happened with the cello audition? I say, what? He says, no hire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) He probably didn't say no hire is the term we use. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah, that's, of course, intimidating. Mm -hmm. Um, And... That cab driver did set a tone for me and changed how I approached the finals. Really? When I got into the finals, I said to myself, there's four finalists. I happened to play last of the four. And I said to myself, you know, you don't hear the other players. I don't know how well they did or not. But I said to myself, I will not let this be a no hire. Yeah. You know, like if I'm just competing against myself, I'm going to like go out there and... Take risk and yeah. and and try to blow it away.
0: Yeah, and then you did that.
1: And then I did that. Apparently, <laughs> cool. I actually had a, a a funny moment. I again with creativity. I think I was a little. I walked out there for the finals, and uh, the audition before that had been screened, so that I was auditioning. The, the judges were behind a screen; right. they couldn't see me. It was. It was you know, completely unbiased that, that way. That's the way orchestra auditions work. And this kind of dates my audition because it seems archaic now that we even did this, but in the finals, there was no screen. Yeah. Which now we always screen the finals yeah. also. Um, but so now I can see the panel uh, which is the music director and like 10 other musicians. Um, and I play my Bach and then I go to play the next piece. And I, I ask the, I ask the committee a question. I say, uh, well, they're asking for me to play this, this excerpt that starts with like 10 measures of the same pianissimo timpani role. And I say, would you like me to abridge that role? And Keith looks up now. I know his name and, who he is you know yeah. didn't at that time really but keith looks up and he said and he they're kind of shocked that i even like addressed them yeah yeah <laughs> that i even said anything they were how like, dare this, you and he, he says no just play it <laughs> it's like no just just don't change any don't change the rules even if it makes sense just just do what we say just yeah. play it and so then i went on and then Again, kind of surprised, I played that, and just nothing the the committee doesn't yeah, say they anything they yeah. just they just wait for you to play the next thing, yeah, and you know I'd go to play the next thing and and one another awkward thing about auditions is someone you you see someone out there at that yeah. point with no screen, you see them like scribbling on a paper, yeah, and you see that they're not listening to you they're they're busy, maybe one person is shuffling through music, yeah. And you're like, should I should I just start?
0: Should oh I start the gosh. next excerpt? And yeah. they
1: they just don't tell you anything. Yeah. And event if you wait too long, they'll look up and say something, you know. But you just start. Yeah. And like, they hear it. Yeah. <laughs> they hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had one blunder in my audition. Uh, we this audition called for a bunch of weird xylophone excerpts from exotic birds. Cool. So Messian wrote this piece called Exotic Birds that where the xylophone part plays these bird the calls. The birds, yeah. And so you have all these different bird calls that happen in it. And in this audition, we had to play a handful of sections instead of just the, the one common one. And on one of them, I, I flubbed a couple notes, and partly because the xylophone that the Utah Symphony owns, again, just like the timpani, is a weird xylophone. The bars are wider. Mm. So it's like, imagine playing on a piano right. now that the... The Your muscle memory is like useless. Right. And so I flubbed this little section in the middle, but I kind of thought that maybe no one noticed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, definitely a non-percussionist who's just kind of listening in yeah. a more general way. Yeah. They probably just, you know, didn't yeah. even notice. But then Keith noticed and he's he's a mallet guy. Like he's, yeah. he's great on xylophone. He's great on keyboard instruments. And so he heard it and he's like, could you please do that again? and then you're kind of really feeling in the hot seat yeah right because you, you can't mess it up twice i mean yeah. it's like oh i know he's listening for that yeah and you start to think do i know it because it's memorized you have to memorize yeah. these parts and it's like well am i gonna forget it yeah like, do i remember because that's kind of what the blip was is like oh which repetition is this and right it, it's, it's the same pattern but then right. it changes a little bit that and, stuff's hard and so luckily I got it the next time, but it really <laughs> had me sweating bullets. There. Yeah.
0: So they hired you and you moved from Massachusetts, Manhattan. Well,
1: yeah. Manhattan. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Um, you moved from Manhattan to Utah. Yeah. What did, how did you feel about it?
1: Well, so I loved living in New York. I love, I'm proud of living in New York, but I, I think New York catches up on you. Yeah. And. I do think it's just so easy to be happy in Utah.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> That's and, an
0: easy way to say that. Or a nice way to say I that. Thought,
1: I thought maybe that in the orchestra there would be some kind of uh, contract or just etiquette where you maybe didn't mountain bike or ski all the time. Like yeah. maybe you weren't risking your limbs in such a way. Yeah. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, there's definitely an ethic of having fun and being active, and that's cool. You know, taking your job seriously, yeah. but also having a fulfilling life.
0: So you like it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and you like I, living here.
1: I and and I'm not sure that's the case. Like, that wasn't the case with my teacher, who's the principal percussionist of the New York Philharmonic. He's the biggest guy out there, and he really lives the New York lifestyle, which is like success, you know, work, learning, yeah. music. Um, and it's just such a different yeah. lifestyle when you're not in the biggest of the cities, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, are you still doing visual art or poetry?
1: Not really. You, I, I dabble in it. I dabble in things once in a while. I just, I just did do a painting. Uh, cool. I, I painted a painting of my, my poodle on the porch. Uh, and um, but again, I, I use like some cheating tactics to, and it, it looks good. I use kind of a projector to to
0: get some elements like yeah placed
1: right. And um, but it looks good. And
0: and you're not a professional painter, so right, it's fine. Yeah. Um. Well, we're both very young. What do you think about like how you know like you'll stay creative in the future?
1: So, I think that my my opinion about it is that I think that those any activity I do outside of music is going to inform my music, and that's 100%. how I'm wired too. Yeah. Where I'm making a lot of connections between music and volleyball. Yeah, whether it's the mechanics of the like how I'm using my arms. Yeah, is similar can be similar like the mechanics of swinging a stick a drumstick and like using some inertia in a certain way, it's called a molar stroke yeah. is similar to uh, like smashing down, like yeah. spiking a volleyball in order to get power in the volleyball. You have to use the same mechanics that you have to use in order to get power in playing snare right. drum. Right. The difference is that in snare drum you're moving fast. So you got to figure out about how to get that power moving fast, like yeah. playing a bunch of notes and you need to have a, powerful like accent yeah. and that that molar stroke has to happen fast and in volleyball it's how do you get power with your arm like fully extended above you reaching over the net right uh and both the solution is that that molar stroke or that whip stroke in, right. in volleyball
0: cool um okay let's talk a little bit about like just some vague art things before we close yeah um I don't know like okay maybe first I just won't ask a really pointed question and just like are there things that you like want a soapbox about about like the arts or creativity or why it matters or why maybe it doesn't or what you'd want people to know about like what your life is like are there any things that you're just like generally on one about that you'd like to talk about
1: okay I got one okay so you probably know Malcolm Gladwell. If of you, of
0: course, I do.
1: Listen to podcasts. Yes. Um, he's one of my favorites. I've been. I've read all of his books. Me too. And I was flabbergasted and so excited when my teacher in my masters quoted Malcolm Gladwell in a master class by talking about ketchup and the term high amplitude mm. and food tasters. Yeah. And so. I really think that one's,
0: that, that one's blank, right? Or is that tipping point?
1: Uh, I definitely not tipping point. Right. Cause blank. I think it's yeah. blank. I think yeah. it's blank. Um, but I think it might also be in another compilation. Uh, the one like that's t- has dog the dog. dog. Yeah. The yeah. dog,
0: the one, the dog in the title. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I think music is like the ketchup analogy, which is, That Heinz ketchup dominates the ketchup industry because all of the ingredients in Heinz ketchup coalesce into this perfect um, product that you cannot taste each individual ingredient Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. And food tasters call that high amplitude. Mm. And so the analogy that my teacher was making in music is that when you're performing, your technique, The timbre you're creating, the your your pitch, your there there should be no individual hiccups as in of from any ingredient in the music making process that are inhibiting the final product.
0: So interesting.
1: And to use the word product, you know, in music, I I think that does get down to a lot of what it is. It's like making this perfect, refined thing. And that's what comes across as emotive Mm -hmm. and emotion-inducing as a listener. Yeah. You know, you listen back to yourself, and you're like, oh, that doesn't sound emotive. That sounds like...
0: Like it's mechanical. i ruined that phrase
1: (laughs) by going way too slow at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what you think as a performer is emotional is sometimes not what the listener thinks as like inducing those pot, like those emotions that we all want to, want to feel with music. Yeah.
0: I love that. It's so interesting to me. Like, yeah. Even just thinking about this, this idea, you know, I would talk about a similar thing with my, um, when I was directing a vocal jazz ensemble, I have like a sneeze that's like living, <laughs> it's living right here. So my left eye is going to start watering now. Um, what was I saying? oh, I would say a similar thing to my students, you know, when we're all on, they're all on a microphone. Um, like if you can hear yourself in the monitor, like you're too loud, like it's gotta be just loud enough that like, it is exactly the same volume as everything else, which is going to just make something that like, none of us could make alone. That's going to be like, really cool. Um, but yeah, that's another one of those things. That's like such a, it's such a weird experience as a human to like, know that you're contributing to something, but like, you're really not like, maybe no one is really aware of it at all. But like, if it wasn't there, we might be aware of it. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, um, do you have thoughts about whether or not these skills, like whatever they may be, like the skills that you, um, have amplified, like in yourself in order to do your job well, and that you see, you know, your colleagues, excelling at um do you have thoughts about whether this is like an extremely leading question whatever it's my (laughs) podcast do you have thoughts about whether these types of skills like can be useful like outside of the arts in our society like do you think that these skills that we work on like matter to how our world functions of course not you don't think so
1: (laughs) no um (laughs) I mean, of course there's the idea, <laughs> the idea that, you know, once as a civilization, we are comfortable then, and, and kind of living in riches. I, I think we like, I think we're all living in a, like in riches in, in today's world. Like it's so easy to have things like we have a, this thing called a microwave that like can make things warm in an instant, you know? Yeah. And when we have easy things like that, then we can have creative outlets. You know, mm. when we have an established society, yeah, then we can focus on those creative things. You know, we're not just trying to think of like food and shelter anymore.
0: What about like when we, again, like when we take these skills fully out of the arts and I mean like brain skills and not like limb skills. Um, like, do you think that, like creative thinking that maybe is really honed in the arts. It's not, not to say that it couldn't be honed in other places, but the kind of creative thinking that we kind of like essentially have to have in the arts, do you think it can help us solve like interpersonal problems?
1: I mean, yes. So in a way I think that, you know, people that can find solutions in one thing can find solutions in other things too. And so I do think, yeah, the same core concepts. I, I mean, again, to, to state my own philosophy, I think like a sense of urgency is a core, uh, something that is just with you. Right. So like you'll, if there's a will, there's a way, you know, to go back to, to go back to the beginning of my inspirations when I raced BMX they would say, you know, you'd be racing and there'd be an announcer and they'd say, who wants it, who needs it,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And that's like, I like that phrase. Like, do you want it, but do you need it? Yeah. And it's it's also a little bit, there's also a little bit of, you know, sadness in that, like, you know, why do you, why do you yeah. need that? Why do you need that accolade? You, you know, yeah. but totally. to go back to, you know, The urgency of it, you know, I think that, you know, if, if you're inspired and, and have that urgency and that push, that'll, that'll lead you to the solution in whatever challenge.
0: Do you ever feel like as a musician or, you know, however you think of yourself, do you ever feel like there are things that you kind of feel like? well, this should be an easy problem to solve. That seems like a difficult problem to solve for like other people. Like, do you feel like you have any, do you feel like you have any like specialized insight from like doing what you do? That's kind of an odd thing.
1: Okay. I'm going to quote volleyball one more time. I'm into it. And so, so here's the (laughs) thing with volleyball is so volleyball is a thing in Utah. I'm coming to realize Yeah. volleyball. I think in high school it's it's a thing uh, more than in other places. Yeah. And so a lot of people that I that I see playing on the leagues here have grown up playing volleyball and, or have played volleyball for a long time and they learn over time. Um, what they don't do is practice. Mm. So like if if you're a professional, you know, you do do drills, you do these things and you practice. But pretty much it seems like the ethic is just to learn over time at the pace that
0: you can play with others.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. and you learn just by playing games. Yeah, like l- by playing volleyball games. F- whole games. games. Yeah, um, and to me, that's kind of like like a musician in the, in the music world. You would that would look really silly. Yeah, that would be like I'm going to learn this piece just by playing it over and over. Yeah, you know, very at productive, and yeah, inefficient. <laughs> yeah, and you just. Yeah. You, you, you will learn it over time yeah, and it will probably always be kind of sloppy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and that's how people learn volleyball, not, not really learning the perfect technique or, or really understanding what they're doing and learning it slowly over time. Yeah. And so I think the process of, of no, of learning how to learn, Yeah, which I've reevaluated a lot. I had to, I was I got totally overwhelmed in my masters and I had to relearn how to learn, yeah, how to learn faster. Yeah. Because uh you can spend if you have the time, you you can spend 4 hours learning something and that works when you have 4 hours, but if you don't, right? You have to learn how to learn faster. Yeah, totally. In a way that you still that it, it's still effective in the end and
0: Yeah, well I think that is something though and I'm and you know, I'm very sure that there are people in all sorts of professions who have similar insight into like how things could work that the rest of us like just aren't privy to. Um, But I, I do think that thing of like, even just, even just the fact that now you're a person who knows there are at least two ways to learn. Like even just that is something like even just knowing like this works and this also works and this works in this way. And this works in this other way. You know, if you come up against a problem that you don't know how to solve, you have that precedent of like, maybe I need to relearn how to learn. Right. Which is maybe not something that people instantly think about. Yeah. But I think the vast majority of professional artists know that. Yeah. Because you're so right. Like this thing of like, you're not going to have time to learn this way anymore. We, if you have to do this type of profession, like, you know, at scale, like you have to, you have to think about. I only have this many hours, I need to make, you know, this much money, or I need to learn this many pieces or whatever, um, or I need to make this many pieces, right, you're going to have to get more efficient. Yeah. Um, And that is something that I I that I think we all know. Um, Yeah, I just wonder about like, what kinds of things like we kind of take no kind of take for granted that I, I tend to feel like being a creative thinker and living in the kind of daily world where we have to like work with people in this very odd way and we have to kind of like problem solve in this kind of particular way could be a really useful thing in like society at large. Yeah. I think that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So here's one thing I was thinking. So as a beginner musician, you may approach a piece playing it too fast, not really slowing it down enough. And then as you get better, you learn to, break it down and practice slowly. And so at that point you might say, well, I'm going to start with the metronome at 50 beats per minute. And I'm trying to get to 200 beats per minute. And I'm going to go up every day is going to be two clicks higher. And then in a three month period, I've got it and that will work. And you can, that you can be successful that way. But then the third step is learning to do both. Yeah. Right. Where you break it down, but then you also play it at tempo and you kind of, when you play it at tempo, maybe you're kind of just imitating what it would be like to really know how to play it. Yeah. And I think that is a, a crucial thing about, um, learning, yeah. and, which is, uh, taking risk to maybe imitate, uh, someone that is more experienced yeah. or imitate the the uh, product. Or
0: like imitate someone who's more empathetic than you are, like not in a sociopathic way, but yeah. like just, you know, like if like maybe this is a very particular example, but like, you know, I remember being in college and hearing my black friends talk about white privilege and just being like very confused about that. Um, I grew up in like a super, super white place. And I remember just kind of feeling like I don't get that, but I believe you. And I like you and I respect you. And if you're telling me like something is hurting you, like I believe you. Um, And I, I definitely spent a couple of years just like, I think I'm learning what I'm supposed to say. I think I'm learning like how these things are supposed to work, but it feeling very like removed. And then like eventually kind of being like, okay, I actually understand like how these things affect people in real ways but like, you know, had been practicing, like incorporating, um, better vocabulary and better like ways of thinking. Um, and I think like that kind of thing, like I do stuff like that in my job every day. Like, you know, if I have to like sing, like at weddings, sometimes I have to like sing Nathaniel Raycliffe's son of a bitch. Give me a drink. Like I have to sing that. I have to sing lead on that at people's (laughs) weddings and make that believable, you know? Um, and like that doesn't feel that different to me than like learning how to talk to someone that I don't have anything in common with. Um, it's, I mean, it's obviously different, Mm -hmm. but, but like the actual doing of it is not that different.
1: Yeah. I mean, we certainly take on different characters in performance, right? Um like you're saying like that literal character change yeah. and and trying to embody that and and empathize with that that person. And I I think uh as performers, we we often have a almost like a performance persona. Yeah. You know, maybe someone is a shy person. I'm sure there's a lot of famous artists that are, have a different Most. personality yeah. than they emote when they're playing. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, there, it's kind of a dual, yeah, dual world in that way.
0: Well, and I think it, like, it gives you the, it teaches you the truth that like, we're all capable of a lot of stuff. And it's not that like necessarily the persona, like isn't you, um, or that like, the way that you talk to your students, isn't you versus the way you talk to your conductor versus the way you talk to your section versus the way that you talk to another section. Um, and we can actually like be creative about how we like, you know, tread carefully around each other. It's like soft and unique beings, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's creative criticism.
0: Yes. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of my guests about stuff like that. Like um, I had a guest who was a chef that told me, you know, like the way that he talked about managing his staff was so similar to like how a conductor maybe is managing a a group, a band leaders managing group, Um, you know, conveying criticism or conveying advice Mm -hmm. in a way that is almost invisible, Yeah. That is fully a creative skill. Then I have to imagine like someone who's good at that is like a different kind of parent, you know, too, or a different kind of spouse. Like, you know, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's interesting stuff. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say?
1: No, I think we've covered a lot of good topics. Yeah.
0: I think so too. Okay. Ask everybody at the end, two questions. Number one, what's your dream collaboration or your dream project? a flute gourd orchestra
1: <laughs>
0: not that <laughs> playing
1: percussion for bjork
0: oh bjork what? is so cool um she's still even performing i don't know it's it's fine <laughs> it works um and then and i love that it's a perfect answer finally where do people find you
1: on facebook Okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs>
0: We're in our thirties. Where else? It's Facebook. <laughs> or Instagram. What, do you, what
1: I don't know. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, I mean, like, you know, some of my guests have like specific websites. Oh, like right. you have a, the type of job where you don't you don't need to like freelance as you know, like right. some of us yeah. do. Um, but you know, yeah, if like if somebody wants to like see your work, um, like talk to you, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I think or it's, at a, the Symphony. it's a financer or at the Utah Symphony or Google the utah symphony yeah um and find videos yeah and look for eric in the back on your left yes his right
1: (laughs) there's only so many of us that have hair or don't have gray hair
0: (laughs) yeah and they'll be able to see your picture on the podcast and then they'll know how to find you yeah (laughs) okay thanks so much for talking with me thank you Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from my album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel and ad segment music by Jerem Hansen. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.